0: Hi, I'm Holly, and I'm Haley. Welcome to Mountain Mysteries Tales from Appalachia. Welcome back. Hello. So, as you noticed, uh, <laughs> we pulled from the Patreon vault. It was uh, we had
1: to. you know, you
0: it's... know, sometimes you just have those crazy weeks. So yeah. um, I do want to give a shout out, okay? We have a new listener. I'm not going to say her name, but okay. she is my physical therapist. Oh Yes. And uh, so she was telling me, she, she was just talking and she said, oh, what kind of hobbies do you have? And I said, oh, you know, this, that. Oh, I have a murder podcast. And she, what? And I was like, yeah. She was like, what is it? I love podcasts and blah, blah, blah. So I told her what it was. I apologized in advance. <laughs> and uh, the next time I came in, she was like, I've listened. And I was like, wait, what? Really? And she was like, yes, you told me to skip the early ones. So I did. I was like, yeah. And she's like, so I listened to the most recent ones. And she was like, I love it because it reminds me of, um, I guess a podcast with two girls like early on before oh. they got like real big and corporate She told me what it was, but I can't remember what it was. Anyway, um. But she was like, no, I really love it and it's great. And so I was like, oh, thank you. And I did apologize again, um, just in general, nice. as I do, just in general. you know, just, just a you general know, sorry, apology, just over, over everything for what was, what is and what will be, what will be. you know, so if you're listening, Hello. Uh, hopefully you are. Hello. Big shout out. I saw you earlier today. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know who you are.
0: You know who you are. I love yes. It. I yes. Love it. Yep. So that's my big shout out. Cool. Haley, hmm. I just want you to know that this story today, and for the rest of you guys to know, mm. the story is a little intense. Mm. Um, yeah, okay, and it involves a school shooting. Yeah. yeah, so I just wanted you to be aware. But it's a it's a story that I have actually never heard okay. until recently when i was researching it so i think it's an important story to tell because this is pre-columbine the story oh wow so this goes back a little bit so okay. we're starting in december of 1997 you're pooping in your diaper you're drinking a baba mm-hmm. you're doing all the things mm-hmm. i was a teenager We <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, was is december
0: december so, so it's your first christmas a few months
1: old yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah eight months eight months yeah yeah Living your best life. Living my best life. Not sleeping at night, no. crying a lot.
1: It's a very colicky baby. Yeah, I screamed a lot.
0: Your mom probably had regrets. She did. Yeah, she might still. <laughs> no, now she's like, oh, what a wonderful child.
1: I know. A, this is so great. We are like best friends, though.
0: I think that you had to get through that tough time and yeah, you know, of infancy of infancy, right? To then yeah. you know,
1: and then my teenagers. Those were rough times.
0: Absolutely, for anybody.
1: But now we're close. Now we're tight. I really like that, and I
0: respect that. It's great. It's good. Mm. Okay, so uh, December of 97, our number one song here, Haley, is Candle in the Wind, 1997. This was Elton John remaking his original song that was about Mm. Marilyn Monroe. He altered the words to pay tribute to Princess Diana, who Mm. passed away that year. Yeah. The number one movie at the box office was not yet titanic because it opened December 19th. It was Flubber.
1: Have you, ever, have you ever seen this movie? I've not seen it, but I know, like, I've seen the poster and yes. stuff for this it. Yes, this is a
0: Robin Williams yeah. movie. Uh, he's like a mad scientist, and he creates this thing, this, like, green slime stuff called Flubber, mm-hmm. and it creates a life of its own. Terrible film. At least, I, I went to see it at the theater. It was not worth our ticket money, but... Mm-hmm. You know. Then yeah. again, I saw Titanic like nine times, so, so there's
1: there's I'm that. I'm not I'm not a Titanic fan. I enjoy
0: Titanic. I think I am. I am of my generation. Mm. You know where I'm like, oh, Leo. Whoa. Mm. You know. Gotcha. And you just hope the ship doesn't go down, but it you does. know it will
1: every time. Every time. Every time. Every
0: time. But today we're headed to Paducah, Kentucky. Oh, okay. I love Kentucky. I too. Sorry. More specifically, we're going to Heath High School. Okay. It's December 1st, 1997, and students are coming back to school from their Thanksgiving break. Mm -hmm. A little after 7 a.m., a Christian youth group begins their meeting, which always concludes with a prayer. Mm -hmm. While the youth group is in front of the school, a freshman by the name of Michael Carneal rode to school with his older sister. Michael had a blanket covering what everyone thought was an art project that he had been working on, Mm -hmm. so just covered up. What well, was actually under the blanket it was no art project. It was a shotgun mm. and a rifle. In his backpack contained a loaded Ruger MK2, which was actually a 22 caliber caliber, caliber. pistol. Yeah. 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 Michael's sister parked the car and the two um, went their separate ways. Michael walked towards the front of the school and swiftly inserted earplugs into his ears mm. and took out the 22 caliber pistol out of his backpack. Meanwhile, the youth group was ending their prayer and each said, Amen, as they began to hear a loud popping noise. The youth group walked towards the entranceway of the building where they were met with bullets whizzing by their heads. Wow. Ten rounds of bullets were fired at quick succession, striking five students from the youth group. One student, Brittany Thomas, recalls turning around and coming face-to-face with the gunman. She states she was, quote, kind of facing down the barrel of a gun, end oh, wow. quote. Students, teachers, and the principal alike were stunned in horror and actually shell-shocked. Um, one student even said that she was yelling at her principal to do something, and he was just standing there. Right, I mean, just, like, couldn't do anything.
1: Well, this is, like you said, pre-Columbine. This is so pre-Columbine,
0: like, so every nobody has context for
1: this. Right, there's no, like, this is so out of like now it's so normal Mm -hmm. but back then before i mean this was unfathomable
0: this is a year and a half before columbine and the world didn't know what to do with this Mm -hmm. i mean it was you were safe at school yeah and especially this this school right it's very small and Mm -hmm. everybody kind of knew everybody so for something like this to happen Mm -hmm. nobody knows what to do Mm -hmm. or how to handle it when michael finished his rampage he placed the pistol um, on the ground and surrendered to the school principal, Bill Bond. It was at this point that Michael, in the horror of what he had just done, turned to another student, Benjamin Strong, a member of the Christian youth group, and he said to him, quote, kill me, please. I can't believe I did that. Mm. So we've got this guy who's filled already with, like, complete regret, like... Right. What just happened? Right. How like, did we get here? How did we get here? How did this happen? I can't believe I did this. Who am I? You know, like all those yeah. questions when you, I mean, do something. I mean, we all have regrets, right? Like, mm. oh, why did I get that speeding ticket? Why, yeah. you know, why did I invite H- Haley to, to my, my house? Yeah. Why did I invite Holly to my house? Mm. Yeah. You know, those are the kind of regrets that people right. have. I mean, why normal, didn't I, why regrets? didn't I invite the two of them to my party? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people have those regrets. Yeah. So just if you think we're cool. We're not. <laughs> we're not. We're not. No, you don't want this. Uh, <laughs> so um, let me tell you a little bit about Michael. Yeah. So Michael Adam Carneal was 14 years old. Um, he had been struggling for a long time with anxiety and depression, but as time went on, he began to have increasing paranoia.
1: Mm.
0: Michael had been bullied a lot at school. Um, kids would taunt him, you know, tease him that he was gay and that kind of thing. Now I want to say in the nineties, mm. that was very common. You know, yeah. obviously we don't have the, the social conscience that we have nowadays to be like, what are you, what is that? You know, it was right. like, ho, oh, oh, you're gay. And you know, these children who were growing up, you know, curious about sexuality and that kind of thing, you know, they, this was horrible. This right. was like a horrible right. thing for them, you know? So, He is really upset at home. Michael feels pretty disengaged with his parents and just has this overwhelming sense. that They just don't love him. Mm -hmm. They just don't care about him. They don't love him. That was his perception. I will say. Right. His increasing paranoia led him to cover the windows and air vents in his bathroom because he believed he was being watched.
1: It's a bad sign.
0: Yeah, that's That's not good. That is not good. Several weeks prior to the shooting, Michael had stolen a thirty-eight caliber revolver from his parents' bedroom and attempted to sell it at school.
1: Wow.
0: That's bold. Yeah. Um, when another student caught wind of Michael's plans to sell the gun, he said, give it to me. Give it to me or I'm going to the cops and I'm going to tell.
1: Yeah.
0: And I don't know if Michael ended up giving him the gun or not, um, but Michael did warn Quote, something big is happening on Monday, end quote. Wow. No one took him seriously.
1: Well, and like, I keep thinking like, okay, we have all these warning signs, all this stuff. But again, this, I've put myself back in the time period that we are in. This is, you know, really pre having school counselors in the building, having school social workers, having you know sro's, SROs even so the, my first thought immediately was like well where's their sro like well they didn't have one because that's not a thing we did that was not a
0: thing so
1: yeah.
0: and it's interesting i was thinking about it in high school towards the end of my high school probably maybe junior senior year they were like oh we're gonna get an sro in here and i was like, uh, what? I was like what and they so? didn't even call them sros at that point mm-hmm. i forget what they uh, re- just i think they just called it a resource officer that was it I I don't even remember. But anyway, I mean, it just wasn't a common thing. So you know that in 1997, they don't have anybody who can help deal with this, who can help the kids. There's probably not a school counselor, like in the traditional sense. right?
1: And for our international listeners, I know y'all are out there, and this is a foreign thing for some of y'all. Thank goodness. (laughs) Um, It's a very common thing in America. Um, SRO is school resource officer, which is usually a sheriff's department. Ours in our county is sheriff's deputies um, who are specifically trained for school duties. Um, So our SRO is at our building every single day. Um, We always have an SRO on campus with us, which is some schools don't have that. Our, every school in our county has an SRO, um, which is great. Um, And he's a very big, Part of our school culture, absolutely, um, and we've, you know, we're really cognizant about, you know, making sure that his interaction with students, for the most part, is positive, mm-hmm. um, which is great. And he's great with kids. He'll and he'll tell you he's not. He's a big softie. Um, <laughs> we love him, but you know, I do feel as a employee in the school building, like I feel safer when he's there. Yeah. Like, if something were to happen. I feel better knowing that he is in the building and that he is there. And I feel like our kids are safer because yeah. he is there. And when he is not there <laughs> and there's someone, not that they're not great too, like whoever comes in his place, but like I, I'm uneasy when he's not there Yeah, because he just has such a good relationship with our kids, good instincts. with the staff, mm-hmm. like does have good instincts. I know he's competent. I know he's doing his job. I know he's constantly monitoring I just, I feel safer with him in the building.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that does bring reassurance. Mm-hmm. I wish that that was a thing in schools in the 90s. I really do. I think, you know, oh my gosh, I wish we had social workers. Like, I think yeah. about that. We didn't have social well, workers in high school.
1: And I know there's a lot of controversy about having, like, armed people in school. Um, like, I don't think anybody except our SRO should have a weapon right. in school. Um, but we are very... Um, cognizant especially in our building of making like he's a part of our student services team right um whether he wants to be or not we've included him um so like there's times where like if i have a question as a social worker like i'm calling him to come in with me and we're talking to students together
0: and see that's the thing is it's not just uh put your hands behind your back it's a I'm trying to help you right. so you don't end up down this path.
1: Right. And he is someone who will talk with kids and be like... And he... And I... You know, he doesn't listen. Um, but was a high... <laughs> you sc- should. I should. Was a high school dropout. Uh. And, you know, had some rough things. Went back to school. Did all the things. Um, and, you know, I've witnessed him have interactions, like, even just today with kids of, like, you know, telling them, like, hey, you know, you look up to me and respect me, but, like, I was in your shoes. Like, I understand that this is hard. Yeah. And some of the things you're going through are really hard. Like, I've been there. And is willing to, like, make that connection with kids, and that's so important because having an SRO in the building who is not that way Mm -hmm. can be so damaging.
0: Somebody who is willing to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Vulnerable in not a... I'm going to let you take advantage of me kind of thing, but vulnerable in a way that children feel safe. Yeah. You know, and
1: and kids do, they feel safe with him and they feel safe going to him. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll have kids. Sometimes that just go directly to him. They'll be like, I want to talk to the SRO because I want to tell him about this thing that's going on in my personal life or going on at home. And, you know, he's able to have that conversation with them Yes, and pull in, you know, a counselor, social worker, administrator, whoever,
0: we need that. We need that. Great. We need that for the kids who are being teased. I'm need glad that he for... doesn't
1: listen because I wouldn't, I wouldn't want him to get a big head.
0: <laughs> wow. Listen to that. Love him,
1: but, you Gotta know. keep him humble. Gotta keep him humble. We call him um, Eeyore sometimes because he's grumpy. Oh,
0: yeah. He sounds like he needs a hug.
1: He's, he could, he's a teddy
0: bear. I am. Haley and I have discussed this. This quick segue. I'm not a huggy person. Uh-uh. Yeah, and she's. Not, you should see me with my son, though. I'm all over him, but yeah. um, I'm not a huggy, lovey-dovey person. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I feel like the way you're describing him, I want to go give him a hug. No, he's a great guy. Yeah. So if I if I ever see him, yep. That's so weird. If I ever see you in I'm this town, I'm gonna give you a hug. Bring it in. Bring so. it in, buddy. All right, back to our story. Um, so nobody believed him. When he said, something big is going to happen on Monday, nobody took him seriously. Um, So, this kid has already brought a gun to school to sell. And he's making these threats, and, I mean, already has some delusions. Nobody's taking this guy seriously. No one's saying, like, maybe we should say something.
1: Well, and, like, these days, that would be, you know... Oh, instant. Instant. Like,
0: Back then, it was much more a... Ha ha, very funny, you know, kind right. of thing. So, while nothing did happen that Monday at school, Michael began stealing guns from his home. On Thanksgiving Day, he broke into his neighbor's house and stole some additional weapons. Mm. These included four uh, 22 caliber rifles, a .30-30 rifle, a twenty-two and a 12 gauge ammunition, earplugs, and then later, the Ruger and several 22 magazines. Hmm. Yeah. A day I or don't two. really
1: know what any of that means.
0: Me neither. Um, who's um, our
1: gun expert that emails us?
0: I can't remember. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. So I forgot your sorry. name. sorry.
1: Hang on. Continue. I'm gonna make,
0: I will call you Mr. Gun Expert. I'm
1: going to get an email.
0: Two days after Thanksgiving, Michael stole two shotguns from his father's closet and hid all the weapons underneath his bed. <sighs> Here's, mm-hmm. the, here's the good news, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. I am anal about my son keeping his room clean. So, if, I mean, if he had guns under, under his bed, I would know. You would know. Yeah. 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 Currently, it's monster trucks. Right. Just saying. It's fair. It's important to note here that Michael had been obsessed with the Stephen King novel rage Mm. so if you haven't heard of this book which i hadn't this book is about a high school senior named charlie decker who takes out his aggression on his teachers and classmates he kills several of them Mm. and holds other students hostage until his demands are met yeah and that's what it's a stephen king book and it's called rage
1: okay
0: yeah Michael kept a copy of Rage in his locker. Yeah. And after hearing about the shooting, Stephen King requested that the novel be put out of print. Because he didn't want anybody else to be inspired to hurt others. Which, bravo, Stephen King. That's amazing. Because most people would be like, well, I want to make a profit. So I don't care. But Mm -hmm. no, he didn't. I love that. Did you find out? uh, I'm working on it. I think it's Doug. Oh, it might be Doug. I think it's Doug. But I'm looking again. Doug's going to have to let us know. I
1: know, he will good i appreciate good but yeah i'm 99 sure it's doug who always gives us the lowdown on the guns good i appreciate that I do, too. let us
0: know let us know uh so we've talked about the shooter but i think it's also important to talk about the victims of yeah. his rampage here um there were three young girls killed uh. and five students wounded so eight altogether. Mm. um so those included these are the ones who were killed um nicole hadley She was a freshman. Um, She was in the school band. She played on the basketball team. She actually, when they first came, the ambulance first came, she was alive. So they took her to the hospital, and she was able to live um, until about 10 o'clock that Mm -hmm. night when she passed away, unfortunately. She was a transplant Mm -hmm. uh, to Paducah from Nebraska. She had only lived in the town for about a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... Um, Her parents donated her organs. Um, President Bill Clinton actually said that this was a very courageous decision for her parents to donate her organs. Because how hard would that be to lose your child?
1: Yeah, and then have to make that decision. Yeah,
0: yeah. (sighs) Yeah. So he said it was a courageous decision in his proclamation um, on the National Organ and Tissue Donation Awareness Week in 1998. The next one um, is Casey Stegger. Um, she mm. was a sophomore. she was fifteen years old. She was in the school band as well. She played the clarinet mm. and she was in the Agape Club mm. um, along with the softball team. What's the Agape Club? I
1: don't know do you know what that is? I know agape is a it's a Spanish word oh well, yeah, um, and it means Agape Club is a school club open to all students in all grades. That's great. Give me more. (laughs) Oh, it's a Greek word, meaning a complete uncompromising love, like God's love for us. So it sounds like it's a Christian organization. Okay, nice. Um, Purpose is for the school. Um, Mm. Its purpose is to support the desire for spiritual fellowship of students, regardless of faith or personal beliefs bulk of the teaching and prayer will be bible based and christian oriented and focus on you know christian teachings okay nice i like that but i like that it's you know it's open to all and um yeah that's that's nice okay continue
0: well casey um was an honor student hmm. and she wanted to be a police officer so oh, she wow. was involved in the law enforcement explorers club Oh, very yeah cool. exactly and she Again, was alive when she was taken by ambulance, but once she got to the hospital, 45 minutes later, she passed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, And then Jessica James um, was a senior. She was 17 years Mm. old. She was also in the marching band. She died um, while in surgery the afternoon of the shooting, so Mm. they weren't able to save her. Yeah. Um, the five students that were wounded in the attack, but survive include Melissa Missy Jenkins. Um, she was president of the future homemakers of America Mm. club. She was 15 at the time. She was paralyzed um, from the chest down after being shot. Yeah. Um, and she has since appeared on many, many things talking about this. I saw her and her twin sister, Mandy. So it was Missy and Mandy. Um, they were in an episode of that show. I survived, oh, wow. that I cannot stop watching. And I probably should should turn it off. But that's where I was like, I'd never heard this story before. Right, and like, you know? how
1: incredible of her to
0: talk about it and get her story out yeah. there. And just, she was just talking about the fear that she had. Yeah. She had actually transferred um, to the local Catholic school the year after the shooting. She wow. just couldn't yeah. continue going. I can see why. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I can see why. Shelly um, Shaberg was a senior she was 17 years old described by the principal um, as the school's best female athlete oh wow yeah she um, had been voted miss heath high school by her senior class she was the homecoming queen Um, although her injuries from the shooting prevented her from playing basketball her college honored her basketball scholarship yeah yeah and she went on to play soccer while at university wow yeah um, Kelly Hard Alspin was 16. She was a member of the softball team and the future homemakers of America. She also, just like Missy, ended up going to the Catholic school the following year because it was just too much for her. Holland Holm, um, was a freshman, 14 years old, and was part of the academic team in the Spanish club, along with the Science Olympiad, um, And when he graduated in, I'm sorry, I thought it was a female. When he graduated in uh, 2001, he reminded his class that he had lost not one, but two class members um, in 1997. And he just talked about how important it was to speak up if they felt like there were threats against other students, teachers, or their school, which, oh my goodness, so ahead of your time. Yeah. Lastly, Craig Keene was 15 years old. He was also a member of the Agape Club, um, the band, basketball team. He um, also was shot and survived. So, wow. yeah. It's just... Mm. It's such a weird thought, right? To send your kids to school, and it's just such a normal thing. It's like us going to work, right? Yeah. You get up, you just do your thing. You don't... Yeah, you don't ever know what the day is going to be. I never know what my day is going to be. Mm -hmm. I think I do. But then it never goes accordingly because we work in crazy fields. So, yeah, that's one thing. Like, yeah, you know, it's going to be unpredictable. But this is just, what?
1: And this is something that I've struggled with since I started working in the school system is, like, yeah, it is un- it is unpredictable. You never know what each day will bring. But this is always in the back of my mind. Yeah. The fact that at any moment this could happen is always in the back of my mm-hmm. mind. It is. I am probably, I am hypervigilant um, when I'm in the building. I am aware of my exits. I am yeah. aware of where students are. I have a plan and just about every part of the building of where I need to get to um, Mm. a loud noise goes off and there's a moment like if there's a loud noise that we don't recognize where like if I'm in a room of people there's that moment where we all we tense and it's like is this it? Yeah. And then it's like oh somebody dropped something out in the hallway. And like not I mean you know 99% of the time is what it is. Right. But there's that one percent chance, and it's I'm not. sure it's greater than one percent. Yeah. There's that chance that it's not. Yeah. And it, that it's that's what it is. And we this is very fresh for me because we recently had a lockdown drill, which um, is never fun, but very necessary to do, um, especially in American schools. And we we did this drill, and I remember asking because I'm kind of stationed near the front office most of the time. I remember asking my principal, like, you know, what is, what do you need from, from us that are up here? Cause we don't have students regularly, like right. with us. Um, and he said, you know, we're going to play it out like what we would do in the situation. Um, so, you know, we have all had different assignments and, you know, I won't go into what all they were, but, you know, we all had different assignments and, you know, we've, we're doing those things like practicing and, you know, one of the assignments was to, you know, get cameras up like on our system. So where we can see movement in the hallways and kind of at the end of that, we were talking about how, you know, like I, I was just trained on how to do that and I'm like, okay, should we, you know, rotate and everybody learn how to do this? And somebody made the comment and I can't remember now who it was, but somebody said like, Oh no, like, you know how to do it. Like, I'm like, okay, but in the r- real thing, what's to say that I'm in a different part of the building? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to get up here yeah. to, I'm going to get where it's safe, but also like looking around the table at the, you know, 10 of us that were in that room or so I'm like, the thought in my brain was like there's a very real possibility that not all of us are going to make it into this room yeah and whether that's because we're in different locations or because we're not physically able to make it into that room because something has happened
0: i was also thinking about you know we're talking about it what happens when you're the one who makes it Somebody else didn't. Yeah, You just made it because maybe you got in that door faster than they did. Maybe you just made it because you just happened to be at a place where the shooter wasn't. Yeah. Like living with that, I think yeah. as well, would be incredibly difficult. And so I think as much as it, like if I lost my child, I would lose my mind. But also being the victim who survives and those feelings yeah. I mean, you know, they're courageous ones, too, because not only do they deal with the physical injuries, but they're dealing with the emotional baggage of that, too.
1: Why did I live? Yeah.
0: Why did I live? And why didn't my friend? Yeah. How? Gosh. And to be, I mean, these, most of these kids were 14, 15 years old, Mm -hmm. like really young. That's a lot. That's a whole lot to deal with.
1: And I talk to people all the time about like, and I'm very open about the way that I feel about, you know. Gun violence and, and things like that. Um, but I'm very open with people about, like, you know, being prepared for, you know, if it happens mm-hmm. in the place that I work. Um, and people are like, oh, you know, you can't think like that. You know, you don't think like that. Like, I know, think that, you should that. But I'm it like, that. it's I think it's dangerous to not. I agree. Like, I wish I didn't have to. I wish I didn't have to. But I do. It would
0: be naive for you not yeah, to. I
1: do have to think about it. I think about it constantly, not to the point where I can't do my job, and I'm afraid to do my job, because right. I love what I do, and I love my school, and I love the kids that are in my building, and the staff that are in my building, and the community that we have. It is so great, and but I, I think it's dangerous to not have it in the back of your mind. Absolutely. That this could happen. It could happen anywhere at any time. It could happen in the grocery store. It could happen, you know, it's not just schools. But we have to be so cognizant of it in schools especially. And we have all these plans. And we ran that drill. And as it was happening and we were realizing things that weren't correct that needed to be fixed, we were jotting a list down on the the whiteboard of like, okay, this place needs a radio. This place needs a door fix. This place needs this. So we need, you know, blackout whatever on this one. Like this one didn't have whatever just whatever all these little things that like if we weren't thinking about it, it could be a matter of life and death. Yeah.
0: I'm so glad that you go through it and you practice it. And I will say, and I've always said this, you can practice it a million times. Yeah. If it were to happen, how would you react? You never know. You just don't know how you're going to react. You don't. You know?
1: And that's what we like. And we don't do the whole, you know, like drills. I think drills can be traumatic as well.
0: Yeah, I think Um,
1: so too. So we don't really do the whole like. (sighs) I mean, in a way we do like the lights off kind of thing. But we're very clear that, hey, this is a drill. This is what we're talking about. It's going to be okay. You're safe. This is what it is. We'll announce it, you know, like we go over the intercom and say like, Hey, this is a drill. This is what we're doing all clear. And we have at our school, thankfully, which is very, you know, once it gets to the point where we can use it, um, a really great safety app that's on our phones where we're able to communicate with each other and also account for all of our kids and get help faster. Um, which is really, really great. And we have a, you know, thankfully our administrative team is very on it about safety. Like we're very safety conscious in our building and I feel very good about the place that I work and the safety that I have, but it is still in the back of my mind every single day that I walk into that building that I may not walk out of that building. Yeah, And that's like, that's not a, you know, it doesn't stop me from doing my job. Right. But it is a thought in the back of my mind of like, you know. And that's anywhere. That's at uh, these it's days, true. especially in America. I mean, that's true.
0: anywhere you go. It- I I was actually talking to my my boss today. Um, there's some information that in a little bit I have to deliver that's not, you know, going to be
1: pleasant,
0: pleasant. Mm. And I was just processing what the ramifications could be either in the moment that it's mm-hmm. delivered or... Afterward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was given all these scenarios and she's like, what do you think like that? And I was like, Because my brain has to prepare myself for the worst. Yeah. So that when the best happens, the best case scenario, I'm like, Oh, huh. Wow. Well, that was delightful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that mm-hmm. was much better than I thought. Mm-hmm. So, but, but I have to allow myself to go there so yeah. that I can be mentally prepared as yeah. much as possible.
1: And like, you know i i remember I, re- I was in school when sandy hook happened i was in high school when the sandy hook shooting happened and i remember that one that was kind of my columbine yeah was sandy hook um like i remember that i was glued to my television i was you know like little, i i little kids to oh. process it, i needed all the information like i that's the way that I process things. I I have to know all of the things and I like the not knowing piece really freaks me out. So, I was like I have to know. So I watched all the things and you know that was that was my quote unquote Columbine with yeah. Sandy Hook. And like I remember being in public school after that happened. Like, we drilled – like, we had a locked-in drug every day that week afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember doing it, and I remember it being a conversation. And I remember after Uvalde, um, I was working in the school system during Uvalde, and there was a big push for increased – you know, everybody kind of stepped it up on security and yeah. safety, which is, you know –
0: I'm grateful that now we, you know, since Sandy Hook, that we're realizing that it's not happening just in our high schools or our middle schools, right. that this
1: is children in our
0: elementary schools yeah. are being targeted. I, I worry okay. about my son's preschool, right. you know, like that's a fear I have sometimes. Um, so, you know, no one is really immune. And I think that's the scariest part of yeah, it.
1: It is really scary. It's a... Yeah, and I don't know what the solution is, um, and that kind of gets into like political stuff that I don't want to get into here. Um, yeah, I but it's not the time and space, right? But, but it it is like there. We have to do something. I don't yeah, know what that. I yeah. cannot give you a solid answer to what it is. But something's got to give.
0: We you can't know, keep doing this. Speaking to the and and gosh, we've taken away from the. We're coming back. I promise. We're coming back. I think one of the biggest things that would be beneficial is. More mental health resources. Yeah, I think it starts there by first off recognizing something is wrong with little Johnny. Mm -hmm. Johnny has been feeling depressed more than just bummed for a week or... You know, like this is ongoing. Something is wrong. You know, Johnny is talking to himself over there. Johnny is clearly hearing voices. And not being afraid to address it. Exactly. And saying, you know, hey, I recognize that, you know, you're having having some struggles. And I want to support you in that. Like, what are some of the things, you know, that we can do to like, because the problem is we have wait lists and wait lists, mm-hmm. you know, to see therapists yeah. and to get in and, you know, to have counselors and all these things to have people who are qualified to truly help you and address the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's one of our biggest, I think one of the biggest crisis we're at right now is that we don't have enough support as far as mental health. Oh
1: yeah.
0: Um, and this is where this is what our kids need. Post COVID yeah. world, everybody needs mental health support. I mean,
1: yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, again, I I keep saying you know how lucky I am to be in the district that I'm in, and like, does it have its own problems? Sure, every Everyone district does. does. Everywhere yeah. does. But what I'm really really proud of is the fact that we, um, even with cuts and things. You know, as frustrating as it is to lose positions, we've we've maintained, you know, a really solid mental health team good. in our county. And, like, speaking for myself as a social worker, I am the only, like, I only serve one school, which That's is great. usually unheard of yeah. for social workers. I serve one school. I have a caseload of about 400 students, yeah. which is tiny compared to friends that I have in other counties. Oh, yeah. Um, and I am very lucky to have that, and I get to have that relationship and that connection with kids that I can, you know, in our counseling team, we can quickly identify, like, hey, little Johnny, something's off with little Johnny. Mm-hmm. Like, we're able to quickly identify that. And
0: when you as a team, and I can say this because we work together, mm-hmm, yeah. You are trauma-freaking-bonded. Oh, hardcore, we you're are trauma-bonded. So <laughs> and, and Haley and I have been through this. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, mm. when you are in a situation that is a crisis and, you know, you're responding together, you're trying to, like, you know, jump on this and, and get this all figured out and all these things that you're going through, you're kind of in the heat of the moment, but you're, you're working together mm-hmm. for a common goal. And then afterward, it's like... <sighs> but somehow you're just so connected in that.
1: So I think one of our administrators today said something kind of profound. that's really stuck with me and I I need to talk to her about it. Um, You know, her, she made the statement of, you know, I think our number one job, yes, we are public education. Our number one job is not to educate these kids. It's to keep them safe. Mm -hmm. it is it's changed it is to keep our children safe and because if they're safe they can learn if they're safe they can be productive members of society we are responsible and that's a huge huge responsibility we are responsible for their safety and when things happen where you know a fight breaks out something like that We have to respond in such a way that restores the safety Mm -hmm. of our building. And of those students, like, we have to, and I know trauma-informed is such a buzzword now, but, like, we have to be, have to be, have to be, have to be. Because I can't expect little Johnny to go to math class when, you know, his world's falling apart. Yeah. And him to be successful, like, no, I'm sorry, your safety and well-being is a little bit more important to me right now to whether you can do complex algebra. Exactly. And who the hell can? And who can? <laughs> anyway, back to this.
0: <laughs> and they No, something I will say is that Maslow hierarchy of needs, that idea that... Hmm. You know, if we have a strong foundation, our needs are met, and then we have that second level, which yeah. is the safety. Yeah. If you feel safe, you can therefore build relationships, build connections, yeah. attach to people, be a functional human yeah. being. All those things that you need, you know, to trust and, yeah. and to grow as a human being, we have to feel safe. And, and you so, have to feel safe at school. Absolutely. So going back to our story, I'm going to say all these kids – were safe at school. Yeah. They they were. They, they lived in this bubble that, like I said, there was no context for right, right. in 1997. Yeah. Um, certainly not me in 1999 when I was in high school and Columbine happened. This was a year and a half after this.
1: I remember doing drills in second grade. That's my first... memory of doing a lockdown drill never did lockdown was in second grade
0: never existed in my education we did fire drills sure Mm -hmm. and like tornado you know get down put your hands over your head that kind of thing but we never did this strange person drill and all these other things like this just didn't exist and then columbine happened and it changed a lot um so Michael was arrested and charged with first-degree murder and the deaths of Nicole, Jessica, and Casey, and he was charged with attempted murder for Shelley, Missy, Kelly, Holland, and Craig. Shortly after his arrest, Michael was diagnosed with schizotypal personality disorder Mm -hmm. and dysthymia so let me let me give you a quick therapist minute so that you know (laughs) going to say (laughs)
1: yes i know exactly what those are
0: i know you do
1: but uh, we've got to
0: help our listeners (laughs) exactly and that's exactly why i did it uh schizotypal personality disorder which is also known as s TPD, that's mm-hmm. how we love a little acronym, um, is where an individual has difficulty with close relationships and social interactions. So these folks are typically characterized by being somewhat eccentric, not trusting others, sometimes having odd fluidity of speech. Um, sometimes they have magical beliefs. Oh yeah. <laughs> At least like, so. I'm available. <laughs> um magic. Uh, magic, I like magic. Um and then fears that others are out to get them. Yeah. yeah. So the
1: paranoia piece comes ex- in.
0: Exactly. Dystymia, so this is an old phrase uh, dysthymia is we
1: don't really use that one anymore we don't
0: use dystymia. we call it persistent depressive disorder yeah. um so this is an ongoing chronic depression yeah more than a major depression something that has gone on and on and on this really contributes to low self-esteem lack of relationships um you know all that mm-hmm. fun stuff So, while incarcerated, incarcerated, incarcerated,
1: incarcerated,
0: I called it incarcerated. I like that. Okay. While incarcerated at the Northern Kentucky Youth Department, uh, Dr. Kathleen O'Connor felt that um, Michael really had paranoid schizophrenia Mm. nowadays we call it schizophrenia (laughs) just Just schizophrenia schizophrenia because schizophrenia encompasses the paranoia yeah so this is where individuals can hear voices Mm -hmm. they can have visual and auditory hallucinations Mm -hmm. um they can believe that someone is out to get them or believe that they are hearing a voice that's telling them to do something bad. Yeah. Um, we can also have individuals who are having psychotic breaks yeah. who in those moments hear things mm-hmm. like they hear the devil talk to them or God. Demons, angels. Demons, angels, exactly. Yeah. Us.
1: Yeah. They hear our voices.
0: <laughs> the angels, you know. Mm. Yeah, Demons. Yeah. All right. All right, let's talk about the trial. Okay. So this took place less than a year after the shooting in October of 1998. Michael um, made a plea deal. He pled guilty to men, in, you know due to mental illness, mm-hmm. and he was given a plea agreement of a life sentence, but would be allowed parole within 25 years. Oh, wow. In 2022. Oh, wow. The plea also allowed Michael to receive mental health services and medications throughout his incarceration. Okay. Thank God goodness thank yeah, goodness that was needed. absolutely because it kind of goes back to what we were saying like how important mental health services are mm. um michael has uh, in fact been in and out of the hospital for mental health issues um since his incarceration um he's been provided with zoloft which is an antidepressant medication along with Geodon, which is an antipsychotic medication i'm gonna
1: speak from experience zoloft works wonders for me
0: it's a good thing. It's a good, it's thing, good thing for me. Yep. Yep. Sertaline yep. is the generic. Yes. Which I think technically is what I get. But yeah. Still So left, so it's left a, helps a lot. So
1: great. I mean I'm pro that.
0: It works really well. For my
1: own mental health.
0: So, um, Michael was taken to the Kentucky State Reformatory in LaGrange, um, when he turned 18. And this is actually where he is still housed. Mm. Prior to that, he was held in the Northern Kentucky Youth Department, um, and the Department of Juvenile Justice. Gotcha. Um, so he began serving his time as a big boy, Mm. um, June 1st of 2001. In 2007, he filed an appeal claiming that he was too mentally ill to plead guilty to the shooting, Um, and he asked the Kentucky Supreme Court for a retrial. Prosecutors ended up appealing this, and the Supreme Court just rejected the request, obviously. In 2012, he attempted to withdraw his plea of guilty, claiming that he was mentally ill at the time that he made it, so it shouldn't stand. Later, the U.S. um, Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals denied the request, stating that he should have acted sooner, like he waited way too long, because, you know, we're talking 15 years. Um, he was originally scheduled to be eligible for parole November sixteenth of twenty twenty two so last year. Mm-hmm. however, his hearing was rescheduled for September nineteenth so a couple days later. Not a huge difference right. um so he goes to the parole board um, and they unanimously decided on september twenty sixth of twenty twenty two that his bid for parole was denied. He would serve out the remainder of his life sentence. Um, it was ruled under Kentucky law. This means that the inmate in question cannot be considered for any future parole hearings, though the um, pardon or the governor of the governor is still possible. Gotcha. So, which I doubt would happen. This right. means that. He's pretty much going to live out that whole life sentence. Um, but I wonder if it's kind of like a life sentence is in other states. It's Where there's like, a number attached yeah, to Yeah, like 52 years. Maybe that's a good Google search yeah. or something. So potentially, he could get out he maybe could. in his you know late 60s. Wow. These of the children who had passed away um, actually agreed to a $42 million settlement. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Michael, and at the time of the settlement, he had nothing. Like, right. I mean, he was a 14 year old kid. Right. What would he have? And really, his parents' insurance company, Kentucky Farm Bureau, had insistently repeated during court hearings, you know, they weren't liable for his actions, which makes sense. Um, So anyway, in early 1999, the parents of the three victims um, who were represented by attorney Jack Thompson filed a $33 million lawsuit against two internet pornography sites Mm. and several computer game companies and makers and distributors of natural born killers, um, they claimed that media violence inspired Michael um, to do these things, which is this is very common. I yeah. mean, this is what was you know said in 1999 yeah. um, when Columbine happened. I think we want someone to blame. We
1: do, and I think like
0: the hurt is unimaginable.
1: I don't think obviously like plenty of people play those games and consume that type of media and don't do things like this. Yeah. I think. That can definitely be a trigger for some people who are already dealing with other things.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. The case ended up being dismissed in 2002 with the U.S. uh, Circuit Court of Appeals ruling that it was, quote, simply too far a leap from shooting characters on a video screen to shooting people in a classroom, end quote. So I mean, that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the story of the Heath High School shooting in Paducah, Kentucky, which oh. I had never heard of. I hadn't either. And I feel bad that I'd never heard of this. I think it didn't get the spotlight mm-hmm. that or at least I don't recall. You know, I was right. a teenager, but yeah. I don't really recall it. I recall Columbine hitting really hard. Mm-hmm. Being such a um you know, I watched it similarly to you Mm -hmm. on television. I had a doctor's appointment that day and we came home and my friend from school called and was like, Oh my gosh, you got to turn on the TV. Something Mm -hmm. happened in Colorado. And I was like, wait, what? Um, And then we heard about this and seeing kids, you know, come with their hands up and running out of a building and, and a guy falling from out of the library window, Mm -hmm. you know, he was hurt and just all these things was like, This could happen at my school. Yeah, You know, this is a possibility that never entered my life. Yeah. You know, it's... So...
1: Yeah, I remember, yeah, Sandy Hook and then Parkland. Yeah. um, Was a big one for me. I remember that one happening.
0: I just think, you know, we... We can't live our lives in fear. Number 1. We can't. We have to, but we have to be smart mm-hmm. and we have to think about the possibilities I think yeah. we would be stupid not to. Yeah. But at the same time, we can't allow fear to dictate our life so much that we're not living.
1: Yeah.
0: So, it's
1: a slippery slope.
0: The good news is, only the good die young and neither Haley and I are young, are good. Right. Right. She's young, but not good. no she is but you know we're not we're not those people that they go oh my god they lit lit up up a room
1: room. (laughs) 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 that's not (laughs) us
0: um yeah
1: yeah
0: oh we should probably tell folks how to get in touch with us they are probably going oh my god they spent so much time chatting about this junk out of here exactly exactly Um, we're usually here for your entertainment. This was a little more on it's the little, serious kinda, side.
1: Yeah, there's not a... I mean, they're all serious, but this topic in particular is Definitely. really... Definitely.
0: I think it hits very close to Haley.
1: It does. Um, and it it does to a lot of people out there. For sure. Um,
0: for yeah, sure. Yeah. So if you want to get in touch with Haley, make sure that mm. she's okay. Maybe send her a lovely <laughs> email. She would appreciate <laughs> it. Please do. You can do so by emailing us at mysteries.appalachian at gmail.com you can find us on facebook at mountain mysteries tales from appalachia find us on instagram at mountain mysteries.appalachia and patreon patreon.com slash mountain mysteries Haley, do you have a shout out
1: i sure do um let's go guthrie oklahoma
0: i love it guthrie oklahoma, oklahoma. where oklahoma. the wind moving
1: from Beautiful. That was terrible. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, we've got to go. All right. Well, we
0: will see you next week. Have a great one. Bye. Bye.